So today I've got the, the, the task of continuing Duncan's sermon from last week. Um, and it's all about just being a people that expect God to be on the move. Being a people that expect, actually, as a Christian uh, church and people on the world right now, we're not just a, a, a static body, but we're a body that is constantly moving. A movement of people. But before I go there, I just want to ask one question. Does anyone believe that there is anything that's impossible for God? Now, I've complicated that question, haven't I? Put your hand up if you believe there's anything that's impossible for God. Come on. Come on. It's a lie. Come on. That's it. So, Hebrews 6, 18, it says this. So God has given both his promise and his oath, two things that are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. It is really possible for me to get up here and lie to you today. It's really possible that I could, uh, you know, for man it's possible to lie. I could mislead you. I could lie to you. But with God, it is impossible that he would lie to us. Okay, it's impossible that he would, he would not tell us the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. All things he says are true. He is the truth. And I think in this season, what we're, we're going to see actually is a rising up again and a refreshing and a renewing in the fact that God is truth and has spoken truth. And that truth is true today as it was before. And I think he's going to restore something of the, the freshness of his truth and the refreshing of, because actually when, when Andy reads Bible verses like any mountain, you know, anyone with a small bit of faith could pray and the mountain would move into the sea. Anyone who's walked with God for a little while might know that that doesn't always happen. Yeah, and, at, and at that point, you can either choose to actually stop believing what is the truth and start to believe lies. Or you can just kind of downgrade your faith a little bit. And you can kind of say, Do you know, I'm, I'm just going to downgrade that a little bit because I've not seen it come to pass here, so I'm going to downgrade it. And I just think God wants to refresh in us an expectancy, a faith expectancy that he is on the move, move on this earth today. That we are his people, called by him, equipped by him, empowered by him, that he's living and his resurrection power is inside of us. But I don't want you to leave here thinking, oh, that's just what Andy's saying. So I hope you brought your Bibles with you today. I've got all these little tags, look. All these Bible verses. I hope you're excited. But I want you to be... Uh, when I read some of these Bible verses, you'll know them. They're not like really unknown Bible verses. But I imagine they're Bible verses that you read and you kind of go, eh. <laughs> Or you kind of just read over, or you kind of like, do you know, like when you've read a Bible verse a hundred times. So I just want to encourage you, read along with me, be with me in it, look at the words, think about it afresh, ask God to work in you again. So I'm going to Acts 1. And Acts 1 says this, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, 
and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the, the words of Jesus to his followers, the words of Jesus to us. Jesus cannot lie, and these are his words to you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In Isaiah, Isaiah 9, Isaiah 9 verse 9, it talks about the, the power of God and the increase of his government and his kingdom coming and expanding across the world and continuing to expand. In Daniel 7.14, it talks about the kingdom of God coming and his dominion bringing all nations and people groups to himself to bow at his throne, to worship him and to serve him. And then Jesus comes along and he, he says these words to us. This is Jesus after he's resurrected, after he's gone to the cross, after he's raised from the dead and he's with his disciples and he's saying to them, this is who you are. And he's saying that he is going to be with you as his witnesses. Now, I don't know about you, but I find these difficult to read. Because actually, the last time I led someone to know Jesus, personally, like we said the sinner's prayer together, was in 2015. That's a number of years ago now. But I believe that I am his witness here on the earth today. I believe that you are his witness here on the earth today. I believe that his Holy Spirit is here upon us to see a transformation and a new wave of the Spirit coming. I believe the Spirit is going to empower us to be his witnesses afresh. We're really hungry. We're living under this question. What can we do to see North London transformed for Jesus? And I'm quite Barnet-centric as a person, so I'm apologising to anyone who's not Barnet-centric. But do you know how many people live in Barnet? Estimate? 3,000. Barnet as in the borough of Barnet. 402,000 people live in Barnet. 402,000 people. Out of them, 75,000 of them say that they are Christians already which leaves 325,000 who don't know Jesus yet. Who don't know Jesus yet. 325,000 people live in our borough during our time on this earth who need to hear the gospel afresh, who need to see the power of God break in, who need to see his kingdom come in a new measure. We're living with this question, how do we as a church see this borough transformed and changed. And I'm not saying it's only us. There's many churches in this borough who will do and live this same vision out. But we just want to lean into this question afresh. How do we become emboldened like these disciples? So at this point, these disciples were not emboldened to share their faith. They just wanted Jesus to come and return. They just wanted Jesus to say, okay, so come and establish your kingdom here on the earth now. Come and take us out of this situation right now so that we can be in this place where you're restored your kingdom for us and for our sake. I want to read 2 Peter 3.9. 
And this is what it says. The Lord isn't being slow about his promise. The promise that he will return, he will come back and he will save the world. The world will end, he'll return. He's not being slow about that promise. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent and be saved. Do you hear that? God's desire is for everyone to be saved. God's heart is for everyone to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and to be saved by it. God's heart is that everyone that we encounter would be saved. That's God's heart. So how do we see it come to pass? How do we see it come to pass when, when to be honest, I, I, I've told you already, I've not seen anyone saved through me sharing my faith. And so I'm, we're just asking this question, how do we do it? How do we do it as a church? And I think it is partly as a church. I think we have to know, actually, as a church, we are seeing lives transformed. As a church, we are seeing people to come to know Jesus. We are seeing salvation in our midst. And actually, by being the church and in the church and around the church and a community in the church, we are seeing lives saved and transformed. We are already seeing God do his work in this place. We are already seeing God draw all men to himself. We're seeing it in our midst. But but there could be more. <laughs> you know, there could be more. In Collindale alone, there's 33,000 people who live here. 33,000 people. Let me read this verse to you in Acts. Acts 2. Those who believed what Peter... So Peter had just been... They, they get filled with the Spirit. Let me just fill in the minute, middle ground between Jesus promising it and it happening. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They go out onto the street speaking in tongues. Many nations hear the languages and they say, oh, I'm hearing the gospel. I'm hearing the goodness of God in my own language. How can that be? And then this is what happens at the end. The crowds say, what do we have to do to be saved? What do we have to do to be saved? I, I love that question. It's a wonderful question. And Peter says, just believe in Jesus, repent of your sins, and God, who is faithful, will, will bring salvation to you. And it says this at the end. Those who believed what Peter said were baptised and added to the church that day about 3,000 people in all. Are we believing that could happen in our day? Are we believing that as we, as we the ministers that God has on this earth now, his witnesses here on earth today, could see the salvation of 3,000 souls in one day? Are we believing that when we declare his gospel, his goodness, that people could come to know him today? Are we believing that actually this gospel is powerful and mighty and can transform lives? Are we believing Romans, 8, Romans 1, 16, where it says the gospel is power, power to all who believe it? The gospel, the good news of Jesus is power for all who believe it. And so we're looking, how do we transition? How do we move forward in this new season? We believe God is calling us to something afresh. 
We believe God is calling us to answer this question, to think about this question. One of the books that we're using, and I would encourage everyone to read it, is, is called Movements That Change the World. Now, this book, the thing I like about it is it doesn't, it doesn't say this is exactly how you do it. But actually, it looks at five hallmarks of a movement that changes the world. It's looked back over the movements, that, so the Pentecostal, Pentecostal movement, the Methodist movement, the Moravians, you know, all these people have seen a movement birth. They look at the Salvation Army, you know, they've seen a move of God in their life and they're saying, well, well what, what do these movements have in common? And there's five of them. And I'm just going to cover them briefly. So the first kind of hallmark of uh, these movements is that they have a white-hot faith. They, they have a faith that God is going to move mountains. But I love the story of, John, of Wesley who came back from the mission field, actually. He came back from the mission field disappointed that God hadn't used him powerfully, that God hadn't used him to bring transformation in the mission field. And he came back and he was like, God, what, like, why? Why not? And he was in that place of quite lowness, actually. And he's on his knees and there's this moment where it says that his heart was strangely warmed by the power of God. That's what he, he wrote in his journal. There was this moment where his heart was strangely warmed. And then he started a movement of the Methodist movement. And it was a movement that was mixed with uh, returning to spiritual disciplines. So returning to prayer, returning to fasting, returning to Bible reading, returning to... But it was also a, a movement that was the release of just the laymen, the, the, not the priests, but the people in the church. He said, actually, no, the, this gospel is good news. You go out and spread it. Everyone has the responsibility so at that time, it was mainly the, the priests who were holding on to it, and they, were, they, they had the word. And, and Wesley said, actually, no, everyone, everyone should be sharing this. And he released people afresh and anew. And he saw a movement of God come because people took up that challenge. So this white, hot faith, this faith that God is going to do something. This second one is a commitment to the cause. So every movement has this clear belief that they know why they exist and they have a clear belief of how God is going to see it come to pass. So this commitment to the cause, this commitment, we are committed to seeing North London transformed for Jesus. We are committed to seeing souls saved. We are committed to seeing his kingdom come. We are committed to God coming in in power. We are committed to that cause. But we're also committed afresh to discipleship. And I think there's something fresh God, God is going to do in discipleship. In us being discipleship, and I think Duncan said in his email this week, you know, the, that we're going to start a school in the summer, uh, in September. And the school is all about, um, the, it's called the Upper Room Academy. We quite like that. Um, someone else said it to us and we were like, yes, that's what we need to go for. Um, and it, basically what that is, is going to be just, it's just about discipleship. It's about us coming together, discipling each other, growing, being committed to what God has done, committed to the cause, but discipling each other through it. And being committed again to Bible reading, being challenging one another. Oh, are you reading your Bible? No. Are you reading this? Are you reading, you know, going on the journey together. Are you committed to, to prayer that is full of the power of God? 
We quite like the Upper Room Academy name as well because the initials U-R-A, and we quite like U-R-A, Child of the King. U-R-A, Witness. U-R-A, fill in the blank. Positively, if you could. <laughs> Identity is really key in this. Identity in being witnesses is really key. The third thing is contagious relationships. Having relationships where you have a tight community, so you're in good community, but that community is not closed. That community is not closed off. Actually, it's, it welcomes the outsider in, and also it goes out to the outsiders. There's an importance and a vitality in having Christian community and warmth in this place and the joy of the Lord and worship and, and his power. But actually, he also calls us to invite other people into that. So these com contagious relationships, these relationships that catch, and actually what, what it says is actually that um, the, the way most people come to faith is by seeing someone that they know come to faith and it's a positive relationship and they see the change in that person's life and they're like, what's going on? <laughs> what's going on with you? And then that person is ready to just share, this is what God has done in my life. This is what God is doing in my life. But those contagious relationships, the, the, that, that then the, the fire spreads throughout all these relationships the fire spreads, the, the gospel spreads, his kingdom comes, ordinary people on fire with the love of Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus, come. The fourth thing is rapid mobilization. And I said this a little bit about before, but it's, but it's basically to release people and learning to release people early and quickly. What we don't want to do is we don't want to get someone, uh, come to faith, then bring them out of all their relationships into the church and then train them up for five years and then say, now go and tell your friends about Jesus because their friends will have moved on. <laughs> but it's about this kind of mobilization of people coming to know Jesus, being prepared to share their faith and being sent back out again and doing it as a people. That's how we're going to see the power of God come. Not just us, but as people come in, sending them out, in and out, in and out. And we're going to see the power of God come as we do that. And the fifth thing is adaptive methods, which means this. The gospel is true. The gospel does not change. The message that you can be saved through faith by God's grace does not change. That is never changing. That is our heartbeat. But the way that we see it come to pass will be different. It'll be different in Collindale to High Barnet. It'll be different in High Barnet to Golders Green. It'll be different in Golders Green to Islington. It'll be different all over the place. Adaptive methods. People coming together in their local areas saying, how is God going to work his gospel out here? You know, is it going to be starting a football team and you all of a sudden build these relationships? 
Is it going to be through, uh, you know, I don't know what it is. You know, but these adaptive methods where the gospel is spreading and you're building these relationships and actually you're thinking, okay, how is the gospel going to break out in this place? How is the kingdom going to come in this place? How are we going to see this place transformed for Jesus? That local ownership, but adaptive methods, it won't look the same all over the place. I think there's, there's been just something that has been really ticking on my heart a little bit. And I think it's something, you say, because I'm saying at the moment, you know, it starts in September, we're going to start this. And it feels like I'm saying, hold off until September. But I think the thing that God is, is calling us to afresh right now and over the summer is this prayer. It's time to get on our knees and pray. It's time to ask God, the God of the impossible, to come into our local areas. I read a, I'm reading a, a book by um, Jackie Pullinger at the minute, um, and she just talks about how she, she was given the gift of tongues, and then someone challenged her and said to her, yeah, she, wasn't, she wasn't praying in, in tongues, she was just staying out, but, but someone said to her, well, why are you not praying in tongues? It's a gift that God has given you. Are you ungrateful for that gift? And she said that, she said, okay, I'm going to start praying in tongues for 15 minutes per day. And she said that within six weeks, the level of conversation that she was having about Jesus increased. Because when you're praying in tongues, you're praying God's heart. What's God's heart? We talked about in 2 Peter, is that all people would be saved. And I just want to encourage you, can you commit this summer for 15 minutes a day to pray in tongues? Just to shut the door and pray in tongues, if you've been given the gift of tongues. If not, shut the door and pray for 15 minutes. Set a timer, just, just do it. Just shut yourself away, get on your knees and pray. Can I encourage you this summer to commit to, to prayer walking once a week? Spending an hour walking around your local areas, walking around the streets around you, just saying, oh God, God, would you, would you fall in that house there? Would you come in this person's life? Would you, would you change this and transform this situation? And if you know your neighbours, pray for them specifically by name. Pray that God would come in, walk past their house and just pray for them. Let the kingdom come in their lives. But it's by prayer. It's by prayer that we will see this happen. This is what it says in Mark. In Mark 10, it says this. So Jesus has been talking to a rich person and he's just said to them, do you know, it's, uh, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich person to be saved. And the disciples are sat, sat there going, what? Then, this is what it says, 26, Mark 10, 26. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Then who in the world can be saved? You know, we live in a, a rich nation and there might be some pockets of poverty uh, and there is poverty and so, you know, but we are generally a rich nation. And Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. I just want to, before I said, the thing about impossibility. Something is impossible for God, but nothing is impossible with God. 
Nothing is impossible. Everything is possible when you get God in it. And I just think God is calling us to be on our knees this summer. Be on our knees. Be prayer walking our town. Be taking ownership of the area around you. And I'm aware that I'm saying area. And I, but I think that God might call you to a people group. Maybe God's calling you to your people group. Maybe God is doing something afresh in your people group. A few weeks ago I spoke about the Iranian and Persian-speaking community and I think God is doing something fresh in your community. Maybe God's calling you to that people group. Maybe that's what God wants you to be praying about specifically this summer. God, spread it like fire. Spread your kingdom like fire. Let it come. Let our neighbours come to know you. Maybe it's your workplace. Maybe God has called you specifically to see his kingdom come in your workplace. And he is being patient. He is patiently waiting for people to hear the gospel so that he can return. It's by prayer. I think sometimes we can get caught, especially as Brits, in this kind of uh, stoicness, this kind of like things are set in a certain way and you know, like I, you just start to accept some things around you. I was reading Richard Foster this week, The Celebration of Discipline, and he says this about prayer. This prayer comes as a genuine liberation to many of us, but it is a tremendous responsibility. We are working with God to determine the future. Certain things will happen in history if we pray rightly. We are to change the world by prayer. What more motivation do we need than this loftiest human experience? We will see the world change if we get on our knees. We will see the transforming power of God come as we get on our knees. And I think as we pray, God will open up new relationships. So I've been, I've been walking around my neighbourhood recently, just prayer walking. I've been doing it for about three, four well, maybe two, two months. And I'm just getting, you know, I'm prayer walking. I'm not doing it with the intention of sharing the gospel. If an opportunity comes, I will share the gospel. And I have a few times. But actually, I'm, I'm getting to know my neighbours. I'm getting to know people in a new way. I, I think I know about, I've got a list of about 10 names now. Just, oh, hi, how are you? I'm Andy, who are you? And I'm just, you know, you just start praying for these people and these situations individually. And I'm believing that God is going to see something uh, we are going to see something of God come afresh because of our prayers. Yeah. I'm believing that God has got something afresh for us in this season. I'm believing that we are going to be able to stand up here in a year's time and say, actually, I've led this person to Jesus. I've seen this person's life change. I've seen this healing. I've seen this transformation. But know that as you begin to pray, it will transform your heart as well. Prayer isn't just about ch changing the situation, it's about changing you as well. And your heart will be transformed as you start praying. As you increase your praying, as you dedicate yourself, not just to praying. I think Duncan asked the question last week, if your prayers were all answered this week, so like if, you, if Jesus returned and said, actually, uh, I'm going to answer all of your prayers for the last week, how many people would be in the kingdom? How many new people would be saved because of your prayers for the last week? And it's not a condemnation, but it's a challenge. You know, God says, with him it's possible. 
God says that, ask, seek, knock. He says, it, he says actually, keep asking, keep praying, keep knocking. He tells this parable of the persistent widow, you know, who annoys the judge so much that the judge gives it to her, that rules in her favor. And he says actually prayers like that. You have to be like this persistent widow. Keep nagging me is what he's saying. <laughs> keep nagging me for these things. But know that he loves to give good gifts. Know that he loves to open up new gifts. He loves to save people. God loves to save people. He loves to transform communities. And he wants to do it here. And he wants to use us to do it. And he's going to use us to do it. He is going to use us to do it. He's going to continue using us. And I think in a year's time, we're going to be stood here and we're going to see fresh things happening all around us. I'd just love to, can I invite Brim back up? And, but I'd just love to pray for us, actually. I'd love to just pray for a, a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. The thing that changed people in Acts was the fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. And in Acts, you see people coming back again and again for a new a new topping up, a new filling in, a new kind of spirit again. So I'd just like to, to pray for everyone. If you could stand up. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Move in this place, Lord. Move in this place, Lord. Move in this place, Lord Jesus. Move in this place, Lord Jesus. Move in this place, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Yeah, Lord, we pray that you would, you would transform our thinking, Lord Jesus. I pray right now, Lord Jesus, for a, an opening up of our minds, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, our minds to see the impossible happen in our midst, Lord Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we pray for those people now in our minds and hearts, Lord Jesus, where we say it is impossible for them to come to know you, Lord Jesus those neighbours, those family members, Lord Jesus, and we say, Lord Jesus, come. Lord Jesus, break in, Lord Jesus, to our friendships. Break in to our relationships. Break into our neighbourhoods. Break into our workplaces, Lord. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would come and pour out your spirit afresh on us, Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord Jesus, for a fresh wind upon us, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would blow through this place afresh, Lord. Blow through our hearts afresh, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would blow cobwebs away, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would blow dusty thinking away, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we open our Bibles, Lord Jesus, as we read your word, Lord Jesus, I pray that this week it would have a freshness upon it, Lord Jesus, where we read it and we go, okay, 
Let's do this, God. Let's do this together. Let's be co-missionaries together, Lord God, as we move around this world, Lord Jesus. I pray for a fresh expectancy in our hearts and souls, Lord Jesus, that you are doing something amazing on the earth today, Lord Jesus, that you have called us your witnesses, Lord Jesus. I pray for a new rising up in our souls, Lord Jesus, that we are your missionaries on this earth today. We are your witnesses here on this earth today, Lord And Jesus, I pray that you would, you would heal some of the things, Lord Jesus, that we have got in our hearts right now, Lord Jesus. The, some of the things which are saying, but. But what about that? But what about this situation? But what about that? Lord Jesus, I pray that you would start to heal hearts now, Lord Jesus. I pray there would be a fresh healing in this place, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, heal those wounds up now, Lord Jesus. Restore us to, to just a, a place of faith, Lord Jesus, that you are moving on this earth, Lord Jesus. Restore us afresh now. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. And we just pray now. We pray for London, Lord Jesus. We pray for those 325,000 people in Barnet, Lord Jesus. And we pray that you would draw close, Lord. We pray that your Holy Spirit would come, Lord Jesus, in this place, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would direct our feet, Lord God. I pray that you'd give us obedient hearts, Lord Jesus. I pray that you'd set us ablaze and afire with your gospel, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit.